You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Milwaukee. Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Now, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Obshond. I'm Steve Zotke, along with my trusty sidekick, Jeff, the Polish pipe bomb, Orlowski. How are you doing? Oh, fantastic. I, it's, it's good to be back. I, you know, people, I've, I've actually had a couple of people at the station uh, say, you, you know, it's it's Orlowski, right? I said, I, yeah, I know. But well, you know. It's funny, I've had, I've had other people correct me, but I kind of, it's kind of tongue in cheek that I say Orlowski. Well, you know, uh, Leroy Butler called me Jim Orlansky on the uh, big show on Wednesday. So, you know, I've heard it pronounced 800 times it, or, you know, 800 different ways. It's all good. And and, and having a, uh, a name with a, a Z in it is, is kind of freaks people out, too. So I've, I've it's the actual pronunciation is Zoutki. Really? Yes. But the Americanized way is Zodki. So. Right. Well, I speak American, so I uh, I just call you Z. So I had a friend of mine who was uh, who spoke German. Okay. And he always was Zoutki. Did you but, always think he was yelling at you? No, no. <laughs> no he was uh, he was actually the former historian at the Milwaukee Mall before me, and neat neat fella uh, was raised in Milwaukee, but uh, it was Al Krause. Some listeners may know who that remember who that was. Very no, uh, very notable. He did publicity for the Milwaukee Mile, starting in 1948, and uh, worked at the Mile uh, through 2004, I think it was. Anyways, um, and uh, for, was a knew my father, and I knew him through my father and that, and a neat, neat, neat guy. And he was actually, you know, you find things out, you know, we sit down and chat with people and. And a lot of guys that were in World War II, they never really spoke about it unless there was a reason to or something. And he was in World War II and, uh, in, in European theater, and he stayed around afterwards because he was bilingual. He spoke German, and that was very valuable in the U.S. Army after the war for obvious reasons, being an occupying army. And he was actually at the, uh, he was actually at the Nuremberg trials. Wow. Yeah, and he got the... I don't know how intimately he knew, but he knew more, you know, some of the big guys, you know. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, pretty wild stuff. And, you know, you can usually tell when you talk to somebody, you know, who's who's BSing you. When they when they start volunteering a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, they don't really. And, and, the, and the guys that you really kind of got to really pull it out of them, those are usually the guys that are telling you the truth, you know, especially when it comes to that kind of stuff, you know. A little side story with me. Uh, right before my freshman year of high school, I had knee surgery, so I was going to be on crutches all summer we long. We don't care. Anyway, so talking about Kansas, uh, I'm kidding. I'm oh, that, sorry. That's I'm, fine. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, so I had to take two summer school classes going into high school. 
So I had oral history of Vietnam and oral history of World War II. The two best classes I took throughout my entire high school or college They had that in high school? They didn't have that in my high school. Every single day, there was one to three veterans that would come in and talk about their experience. And it was... It blew your mind, and they had everybody from the frontline soldiers right. to the 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 rear echelon guys, the the secretaries, the nurses, sure. the doctors, to everybody. Uh, Vietnam, they had a couple of you know guys that burned their draft cards and protested, and um, you know, but same things. Guys on the front line, Air Force, Marines, Navy. It was phenomenal. I learned so much. It was great. You know, I'm always I'm always interested in you know how we got here and this and that, and that was especially uh, true with you know EMS, emergency medical system, uh, and services. And it's um, when I was in EMT school, the the guys that were teaching the courses and that, a lot of them were Vietnam vets, and that's where things really started to kick in. Kind of was in its infancy. You know, when you see the movie Mash or this TV mm-hmm. series Mash, that was kind of like the the, the genesis of it that's how it kind of the it started to take build momentum in that how they used to treat and triage patients and that and um yeah it, it was pretty cool how you know some things that are are that that were in vogue then then kind of go out of vogue and one of them is uh masked trouser trousers and those were um they were developed in Vietnam and what they were were they, they were like these pants that had inflatable bladders all around them. And basically what they did is you put them on a patient who was, especially who was had very low blood pressure, and basically what it did, it pushed all the blood from their legs up to the torso where it's needed most. Right. And and they kind of went away with that. And, you know, I've been out of it for 20, 20 years, and they were kind of, ah, well, we, you know, we're, we're starting to get away with this, this, and that, and we're not using these as much. And then I was watching something on uh you know whether it was the id channel or something police you know ems type situation where yeah they were they were using them again and it's like oh so they brought them back they're kind of <laughs> nice yeah you know, it's you know you see these you know it's, it's just like when you you know when, when you when you get old enough you know when you hear something on on the radio you just kind of shake your head it's like you know diet coke will kill you Diet Coke can help you say, you know, that, you know, this will kill you, that will kill you. This is, you know, growing up, I remember salt. Salt is the worst thing you can have. Well, actually, yeah, you need some salt. You know, it's not as bad as they thought. This and that. It, it, it's, it's, it's eat tons funny. of fish; it'll make you healthy. Yeah. Don't eat that much because then you get mercury poisoning. Yeah, you right. Know, everything goes full circle. Exactly. I'm just waiting for them to tell me cigarettes are healthy again, and then I'll be happy. <laughs> All right, we're talking about Martinsville this week, and l- last week we were uh, the Cup Series was in Kansas, and we were in uh, Jeff and I were in studio on Wednesday recording and doing some promos and whatnot. And it's funny we we kind of looked at each other, and it's it's getting to be like an old married couple when you both uh, say the same thing at the same time, and unfortunately we both said. Wow, that race was really boring. <laughs> it was awful, absolutely awful. You know, yeah, you know, it's the time of year where you got football on, and I'm sorry, I got the two TVs going. You got the race on one TV, and you have the you got football going on the others. Especially when you had the Red Zone Channel going, you know, with the Packers on a bye, and there's nonstop, you know, activity going on on that one on that one, and then it's visually, it's a little tough. 
and I was telling Jeff, I said, you know, you kind of with the camera angles and you could see they were trying to fix that a little bit with the camera angles in Kansas, the cars, they, they look slow. They're not obviously, but because of the banking of the track and the camera angles, it kind of has a, Oh, mm, kind of a, you know, mes mesmerizing kind of mm -hmm. just kind of oh, the car and you, you don't see a lot of movement from the cars either. Right. You know, and, and it's, it's just like, wow, this is, and I liked, I liked they were showing in, um, practice and a couple others where they had the handheld, the guy with the handheld camera up in between turn three and four, right by the, right by the uh, fence. And yeah, you can definitely see the speed there. Those guys are flying. But unfortunately, it comes down to the track, Jeff. Uh, there's too many of these tracks. I, I always said, you know, if 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 you grab a, you know, let's take uh, Radio Joe. Grab Radio Joe, show him the, the show him five minutes of the Kansas race. He's going to be bored out of his mind. Right. But the other thing is, you ask him, can you do that? And, you know, I think a person off the street, not knowing, of course, everything, it is tougher than it looks, obviously, but it looks like it's uh, looks almost easy because yeah. you don't see the cars moving around. You don't see uh, the movement, the, 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 the gloves on the steering wheel, you know, Herky going back and, and forth. And, yeah, yeah, and all that. It's just, it's, it's almost like a ballet of the cars going through the corners. It's too damn easy. And, uh, you know, that race was, you know, <laughs> they hurt themselves by having NASCAR nonstop during the commercial breaks because that was just another four minutes that you got to watch single <laughs> file boredom. It was awful. And if Kevin Harvick didn't shoot himself in the foot and get the speeding penalty, you know, it wouldn't have been much to talk about because every a lot of people expected Harvick to win to begin with. But, you know, you, you got Chase Elliott with the win, which is obviously popular because, you know, he's young and he's actually starting to win now. Uh, but, you know, you wouldn't have had that storyline. So it would have just been a complete ho-hum weekend, a, a incredibly boring race. And then, you know, with if Harvick would have won, you would have had a winner that everybody, everybody would have been like, well, he's dominated the regular season. We all saw this coming. He shoots himself in the foot. You get Chase Elliott, so they get, you know, an extra half a tenth of a percent of, uh, you know, something to talk about. But uh, for they've got to sit there and shuffle some of these tracks out of the playoffs because for Kansas to be in there, are you kidding me? You know, and the NCAA well, tournament is the most exciting yeah. for me, the most exciting postseason out of any. And NFL is number two, baseball three. But it's because of the action. Be, you know, it's it, the games are close. It's hard fought. It's not four hours of a car riding on rails. Well, it seemed like four hours. I know. seemed like eight but hours. But they're saying the time of the race is two hours and 38 minutes. Uh, it seemed like about eight hours. Yeah, it seemed longer than that. That was I painful. It was... Um, but uh, you got Chase Elliott, of course, one. Kyle Busch, strong, you know, two. Uh, Kyle Larson, who you thought, you know, with about 15, maybe 15, 20 laps to go, he's going to make a run there. He's going to make it interesting. Unfortunately, just, you know, and, and it, it's uh, – the other thing that was real frustrating for me was there was, uh, I 
think it was Ryan Blaney. Somebody came up on Ryan Blaney, or was it Ryan Blaney came up on Jimmy Johnson? Where you know you just you just put your right right front uh, corner of your car behind his left rear, you know, and then you t- suck the air off the spoiler, and the car wiggles and he moves up the track and you mm-hmm. pass him. I'm like, well, that just doesn't seem right. I mean, I understand it, you know, it's but it, it, arrow. You know, we keep on complaining about the arrow. Well, that's a big problem. And I, I saw something. Oh, uh, David, I saw on his YouTube channel, David Land, who we're going to have at the bottom of the hour, was mentioning, you know, with the tapered spacers and everything. And he made, he brought up the good point Good point where, you know, this is, this is the last little gimmick that NASCAR has. Right. Because they're pretty much run out of gimmicks now. Because every 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 six months, a year, whatever, they're okay. This is this is the new thing now. Now we're gonna try this, and it it's frustrating, especially for for those of us who've been watching, you know, the racing for a long time. It's like okay, now what? Now we're gonna try this. You know, it's it's kind of like the same frustration a lot of fans have had with the NFL with some of their new with their rules tweaks and whatnot. You know, it's just like. You know, sometimes it's better to just keep things, you know, the way they are. I'm not saying we need to go back to 1978, but I'm just saying, you know, stop chasing that sports fan out there that is never going to watch NASCAR because it's not their cup of tea. Right. You know, it's a little sport. Yeah, solidify your base. And that's the one thing NASCAR has not done. And it's been just a frustrating 10, 12, 15 years for those of us who've been watching it since, well, for me, since the, you know, mid-70s. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, you know, okay, after Kansas, you know, the uh, guys eliminated Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, Kyle Larson, and Alex Bowman. Were you surprised by any of those four? No. I'm not You know what I'm surprised about? Well, I'll tell you what I'm surprised about. What's that? I watch a lot of sports media in general. Well, nobody talked about it. Yeah. NASCAR is off the radar. Totally. Completely. It's kind of like And I don't hear my I don't feel I don't hear the people at work talking about it. It's yeah. it's kind of scary. Yeah, it is. It is. There was very little coverage of it. And I, I no, like obviously, you. you know, we're based in Milwaukee. Everything was brewers, this and that, and everything was, you know. But I, I still though, I mean, you still I, people, people who you knew or knew a racing, or sometimes they would walk up to you and say, "Hey, yeah, what's going on in NASCAR? This and that." They don't ask me anymore. No, <laughs> I just I'm disappointed that Keselowski got eliminated. Yeah, I, it was surprising. I like uh, for me three of the ideal four to have go to Homestead is Harvick, Kyle Busch, and Keselowski. They both drive their asses off, and they both have that chip on their shoulder, or all three of them have the chip on their shoulder, and they will beat and bang and dump you if they have to. And I I like that. I enjoy chaos. I think it makes for great storylines. Those guys run, you know, hard every single lap. I like to see those guys at Homestead every single year. So for me, that was disappointing. Obviously, Larson, he's just had a completely – brutal season and uh and i feel bad for him we talked about that a couple weeks ago um you know alex bowman we all saw that coming and then yeah ryan blaney too but uh 
Did you see the bobblehead that this new track on the schedule, this IMS, ISM Raceway is going to have? ISM, is that, are they racing on Mars? Uh, International I think it's an old... Speed, intergalactic Speedway on Mars? No, it's uh, it's an old ICB, ICBM base, I think, they're racing. It. Oh, sweet. They're going to fire yeah. missiles and stuff? No, at it's the old. Of... It's old, I think. Huh. Hmm. International Speedway on Mars. It must be on Mars. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's what racing I for the Can Am 500, so they must be racing Can Am cars there on Mars. That's awesome. Yeah, well, they're giving away a Matt Kenseth bobble. Yeah, I did see that. Yeah, it actually kind of looks like him, sort of. You know, sometimes it's kind of hit and miss with those bobbleheads how they look like, you know, how they they look, and uh, it looked kind of kind of looks like Matt, like a cross between Matt Kenseth and maybe if you took a little Peyton Manning in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> It it's uh, yeah, and then you, yeah, Peyton Manning, maybe a s- little bit of smidgen of Kurt Busch too. Yeah, a little bit of Kurt Busch. He kind of, it also kind of looks like half an alien. He's got that big forehead on him. Uh, looks a little weird. Did I ever tell you the story of the Danica Patrick bobblehead at Milwaukee, which you, which you'll see at rummage sales all around uh, the area here in Milwaukee? Does she look hot in it? Head. Well, buy next but time you see one, it buy it for out, me, and I'll pay you. Well, it was a bobblehead, but the but the prototypes had a had a problem with her hair. They did her hair and everything. The head was too heavy, and they didn't bobble. So they just no, it was just a statue. <laughs> <laughs> so if you see a bobblehead, a Milwaukee Mile Danica uh, Patrick bobblehead, um, it's yeah, it doesn't bobble because yeah, there's too much hair and head. Nice. And so it was just a, a, more like a figurine. Well, if you, you ever still see, see one, buy it, and I'll pay you for it. You want one? Yeah. I got a whole bunch at home. Right. I'll bring it in next time. All right. Yep. In fact, I thought we had one here, but uh, Summer NASCAR girl probably threw it against the wall or something when I wasn't looking. Uh, she seems smart. <laughs> but, yes. Uh, and uh, Dan- Danica was not – she was – she – Pretty, she was as nice as she could, but I don't think she liked it. No, I don't think there's any in her house. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I don't think when Aaron Rodgers is digging through her stuff, he's gonna come across that. I don't think that's what he's <laughs> digging for either. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna talk more NASCAR, more other stuff. We got a full show today. We're gonna talk. Um, um, if you saw our social media posts on Facebook for the final inspection show, and also 105.7 FM, the fan on Facebook or on Twitter. I teased something about the Ricardo or the the Rodriguez brothers, uh, Ricardo and Pedro, and uh, they're they're racing this weekend at um, the uh, is it Hermanos Hermanos Rodriguez Raceway in Mexico City, and uh, it's named after uh, dedicated to the Rodriguez brothers. Uh, just a pretty interesting story, and we'll we'll talk uh, talk about that in uh, in up coming up up on the show here. So we got David Land from YouTube at the top of the hour, bottom of, bottom the, hour. of the hour, and then we have uh, we're going to talk some F one racing, we're going to talk IndyCar, and plus we have Eddie Lapine coming in the second hour on the bottom of the hour. So a lot of fun coming up in the final inspection show, brought to you by Legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. 
And welcome back to the final inspection show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway and a David Hobbs Honda. A couple of news items here. Uh, Comcast is not buying NASCAR. Okay. That's one of the rumors going around. And is that a surprise to you? Uh, you know, I don't know. I had Comcast once. I wasn't overly impressed. Well, then what does that have to do with them buying NASCAR? Not much. I wish they would. <laughs> I wish somebody would get it away from the France family. Maybe we can actually get some progress going in this. This sport. is interesting, but this is this is kind of we we've seen this before. Gateway interested in Cup date in 2020. Of course, track owner says he's not inter- is not only interested in a Cup date, but also would favor a midweek race. Nice. Well, we saw this with Road America did this a couple of years ago too. Right. Well, okay. Like the Milwaukee Mile isn't interested in a Cup date. And any any of the seven days of the week, right. you want to run it Monday at noon. I mean, I'm sure they say yes. You want to run it Thursday at 10 p.m. I'm sure they'd say yes. Um, Jeff Burton, who doesn't always give the most scintillating analysis on NBC Sports, but he did give. I thought he was because it was kind of cute. He goes, you know, they talk about races having two two dates uh, during the year. He says, you know, Martinsville should have four. You know, it's like, yeah, well, I wouldn't go four, but yeah, I mean. But that's the issue. That's the underlying issue with NASCAR is their variety of tracks suck. Yeah. And the track, there's a lot of tracks that have two dates that should only have one. Kansas, Pocono, Loudoun. Yeah. You know. And I would love to see Gateway on there. I would too. Road America. I would love to see one of the cookie cutters cut down from a mile and a half to a three-quarter mile like Richmond. Well, Benny, it was interesting that back in the 90s, when the plate racing was ramping up and they were having these accidents and this and that, and, well, what are we going to do? You know, Benny Parsons was a big advocate, and I, at the time I, I disagreed with him. But Benny Parsons always said, you know what? Drop the banking down at Talladega. Why not? You know, and looking at the Kansas track yesterday, you know, I'm like, yeah, drop that banking down. You know, with- I tell you what, if Kansas, you know, if Kansas – had 12 degree banking even 15 degree it would be a hell of a lot more entertaining well anything would be more entertaining i mean when you when you just have to just kind of you know just kind of when you don't have to break it makes a lot things a lot easier you know i wish that they would eliminate the under the yellow line rule at daytona and talladega oh you got to protect the drivers from themselves no you don't you want to go in there balls to the wall have at it you know, I, I don't see why that rule's there. I'd, I'd dump that in a heartbeat. Uh, I like this one. Amarola has nothing to lose entering NASCAR's round of eight. Say what? Yeah, what? What do you mean nothing to lose? Of course he's got he's got a ton. He's probably got the most to lose. Besides, well, of the of the eight drivers, Amarola and Clint Boyer are like the two. Well, besides Kurt Busch, we all know he's out of the forty-one after the end of the year. Amarola is the one with the least amount of job security out of any of those guys. Oh, I don't think so. Well, who? Well, I think he's secure. I maybe okay, maybe not the, but he's. I mean, everybody. I think I think they're very happy with where the ten car is now. Well, <laughs> compared to where it was, right? <laughs> I mean, geez. So no, he's comfortable. I don't think he has anything to lose. I don't think he's in gonna jeopardy put in of getting fired. 
but I don't think that you could say that Amarola can sit there coming last in the next three races no. and not feel any heat but I think on he's him been, at all. I think he's been running, you know, he's like, hey, I'm going to try and win races. That's what he's been trying to do, and he's been successful doing it. The fact that he got that car into victory lane is huge, absolutely huge. You know, besides the Ford dominance and the dominance that – at times this year, Stuart Haas has shown the fact that he got that into victory lane is amazing for him. David Reagan intends to stay at front row. I'd still love racing and have intentions on being back at front row motorsports next year. Because where else would he go? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think his phone's ringing that much. I mean, like David Reagan, good guy, everything is yeah, great. A hell of a plate racer, this and that, but I mean, yeah, okay. Enjoy twenty to twenty first. Yeah, know? this ain't this ain't the old days in free agency and uh in the cup series the silly silly season. No. No. Texas Motor Speedway installs weather stem technology. Weather stem will produce the most accurate and up to minute data on any approaching in climate weather that will help the speedway to promptly blah blah blah. Okay. Gossage is brilliant. He finds more ways to get his track in the papers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. You're going to watch the weather harder. I'm Great. going to install this, you know, $6,000 system, and I'm going to get $10,000 worth of coverage out of it. Good that's for all we, That's all they, you know, I mean, God bless him. He is something else. Pioneer Records Management sponsoring Bubba Wallace at Martinsville. Hmm. Okay. Hey, at least you got a sponsor. Oh, the Kansas ratings were in over the overnight ratings. Oh, I bet they were huge. One point eight. Yeah. On NBC. Yeah. Well, when you go, there was a time when uh, Nat NASCAR used to laugh at IndyCar. <laughs> One point eight. <laughs> Be careful who you laugh at. Well. You know, it uh, when you're it's going a different head, world. To head against the yeah, NFL. I, you know, I understand. Yeah, it's a different world now. It's not 2008. It's not even 2000. And ratings aren't what they used to be. But, yeah, it's. This is why they need to condense the season. They need to be done by week one this of the is, NFL. Well, I've, I've, I've saved the biggest news for the last. All right, hit me. I'm sitting down. Stanton Barrett looks to run more races next season. He would like to compete at the road courses and cup and Xfinity as well as other races. Uh, huh. Mm -hmm. Did I ever tell you that I want to compete in F1, Indy, and NASCAR <laughs> next year? Write that as a story. Who the hell cares? <laughs> Jesus. Oh, and Hermie Sadler is back <laughs> behind the wheel, thank God. <laughs> yeah, slow news week, huh? Yeah, it's... <laughs> So Martinsville this week, um, paperclip. Yeah, the paperclip, the uh, the grandfather clock. Yeah. Do you like grandfather clocks? I don't have anything against them. I like them for about the first two hours, and then after that, I oh, want to smash chimes, them. Yeah, the chimes and everything. Um, I think it was. I was watching the practice yesterday. That didn't happen. Uh, I think it was Parker, Parker Kligerman, or maybe it was Dale Jarrett. Martinsville, slowest track. What do you say? Slowest track, and it's the hardest 
to set up or the you know it's the hardest to set up a pass at. Yeah. Lots of breaking. Uh huh. It's amazing how that works out, huh? When you have to break, it's it promotes passing though too. You know. There'll be no there'll be no getting up on somebody's corner and taking the air off his spoiler this weekend. No. No. And thank God, because that's getting pretty The rhythm damn track, boring. Martinsville Speedway. Since 1947. <laughs> I'm the mix. Claros. Yeah. You know. It's, I, you know, I never, I never really like Martinsville. It's a little too slow for me, but I tell you what, though, it's better in Mart. It's better in Kansas. I'm not a big fan of Martinsville either. I, you know, you want to throw a half mile Richmond. track out there, and we we said this Bristol, before. Give me Richmond. Yeah, that's a little more. I uh, say yeah, Martinsville's a little too much. Yeah, and Martinsville. I don't like the tracks where whether you start on the inside or outside can either make your day or hurt your day. Right. I don't like tracks where there's guys. You know, uh, brake checking people at the end of pit road so they can start on oh, the inside that, or the I'm outside. I'm surprised NASCAR hasn't jumped on that either. You know. Uh, that's going to cause, that's going to, they're going to knock over one of those officials one of these days. Well, you know, I wouldn't lose sleep over the thank guy. God, but... Thank God they're dressed up like astronauts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, not one of my it's, favorites it's, either. I always get a kick out of uh, when you see the, the old, old uh, videos of movies of Martinsville and, like in the late 60s, early 70s when they're driving their, those big-ass Plymouth satellites and Roadrunners. Oh, yeah. Big, huge uh, Fords and that. just Land yachts. Oh, uh, at Martinsville. That's awesome. I, I can't believe that. Well, obviously, you're you're not running at 100% there because those brakes would never have handled it. And a lot of times, they had to change brakes sometimes. Yeah. So, All right, well, let's take a quick break here. When we return, we'll talk to... YouTube sensation David Land. When we come back on the final inspection show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with David Hobbs Honda, 6100 North Green Bay Road. Make sure to check out all the best in new and used inventory at davidhobbs.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from YouTube Nation, it is David Land. Welcome again. Welcome to the show, David. Uh, I love coming on, Steve. Can't wait to talk some motorsports. Oh, it's always a good time when you're on. We certainly appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. And uh, I saw a little bit what you were talking about. Um, we were chatting uh, messaging last night, and I, I thought you had some pretty good points regarding Kansas. And, and also previously, though, you were talking about, I want to kind of turn back the clock a little bit. You're in uh, and uh, Jeff and I briefly talked about it too in the previous segment, and I'm going to try and say previously one more time. Um, the uh, the tapered spacers and whatnot with the 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 new package. And I thought you brought up an in- interesting point. You said, you know, NASCAR. This could be the last gimmick NASCAR has. And is this a situation for some of the fans where they're just like, 
Okay, now what are we going to try? Is 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 that the situation we're at with NASCAR? Yeah, and that's what it seems like to me. I'm not really sure where you could even go from here. I mean, essentially, you now have quarters like uh, you know pretty much any other sport like hockey or football or something like that with the stages. You have uh, you know the playoffs. Which so you know when when you you try all these things and now you get to the point where you say what are our most popular races what are the races that give us the highest TV ratings they see that that generally those races are restrictor plate races where you have thirty forty car packs for the majority of the race NASCAR thinks in their infinite wisdom that uh, every race should be like that and um, this is where we are so I, I yeah I don't see. And this is the thing is that there's been a pretty sizable fan backlash, at least from what I've been able to tell. I would say it's probably, in my estimation, just put like 75-25 negative to positive in terms of the reaction. So I don't, yeah, I don't see this going very well. Yeah, it's, it is kind of frustrating, especially when uh, we had Dennis Michelson on uh, last week, and, and and I've been on kind of his side where, you know, it, maybe get, let's get rid of the splitters. I've, I was on uh, YouTube, ironically, uh, the uh, <laughs> last weekend. I was watching a race. I think it was from Charlotte. I want to say in the mid mid eighties and that, and you can see underneath the cars. And you know, there's not a you know the front valance that didn't go all the way, dragging pretty much on the asphalt. And you could see cars running three three wide, and then the the cars could move around and. There was no none of that well, that dreaded word that we hear arrow push uh, mentioned at at all. And the other thing that was was kind of interesting was there was no talk of penalties on pit road. There was no talk about laws here, there, or that. It, it was you know what they were just talking about the racing and the personalities and then the drivers. And uh, I you know I, I sometimes I I don't want to I don't want to end up like one of these guys, oh, you need to turn back the clocks, this and that. But, you know, somewhat maybe just sticking to basics. And like I said, to get the core NASCAR fan back, I think that would put them uh, far ahead. Well, you saw what IndyCar did. Uh, I, I hate to make this comparison because I get criticized for it all the time, but you look what they what IndyCar did this year by essentially turning back the clock on their car design. Mm-hmm. You know, it had gotten to the point where they were looking more like prototype sports cars and uh, performing like them in a lot of ways. And, and the racing wasn't that great. So they, you know, changed some things. They made the cars more appealing to the fans, more. This particular season of IndyCar racing was one of the best that, you know, been in a very long time. So I, I think that's going to be, I would hope that's where the direction NASCAR will start to point the ship. I know uh, uh, Steve O'Donnell has, has been on the record before that says uh, it, it seems like whatever the next generation of NASCAR cars are going to be, they would incorporate a valence. Uh, but this current rule change, I think I said this as well, it doesn't instill me with a whole lot of confidence on a go in terms of the racing product rather than maybe something closer to what I think what really NASCAR fans are after. Mm-hmm. And, and the, well, at least everything that's wrong about Kansas yesterday or uh, last week, we, we, it, we, we don't have to worry about it this week with Martinsville. It's old, you know, it's been around since 1947. 
It's just a half mile, and you know what? It's just about, you know, no arrow push. It's just about, you know, picking your lane, getting in the lane, and, and, and beating on the guy in front of you and trying to make a pass, isn't it? Well, the only push in Martinsville is when uh, somebody gets a little upset behind another guy and pushes <laughs> them out of the way. And a lot of ways, that's uh, that's kind of the bread and butter of NASCAR, is it not? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> that, that's why people love Martinsville, because it, 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 it is kind of, it's, it's weird to call the short track a great equalizer these days, but it almost is in the current era of, you know, the aerodynamics being such a heavy part in success or failure in NASCAR. You can get a surprise winner on a, on a short track in NASCAR versus maybe a one-and-a-half miler where you've got four or five, six guys who have a realistic shot of getting it. Yeah, speaking of surprises, uh, the second practice that they had, uh, of course, it was Ryan Newman that was quick and Chase Elliott, no surprise there. Kyle Busch has been running Strong Brackets also, of course. You can never count him out. But fifth was A.J. Allmendinger, and uh, it's certainly uh, nice seeing him running as well as he has, especially since he's going to be out of the 47 next year. Well, yeah, I mean, again, a contract year, you always see those drivers kind of start uh, raising the level of performance. But I'll tell you what, A.J. Allmendinger has always been very good at Martinsville. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of respects, that's because Martinsville – the corners are very tight. Where what other circuits are the corners very tight? Road course, road courses. That's you know kind of that's where AJ Allmendinger really honed his craft, and that's where he excels. So you know it doesn't surprise me all that much to see him running well at Martinsville. Uh, he almost had a win, I think, in 2014. There, he just got beat by Jeff Gordon. So uh, you know, I, I I would not be surprised to see AJ Allmendinger running up front. But I'll tell you what, Chase Elliott, uh, I really do believe. You mentioned him earlier. I really do think, you know, it really is starting to seem like he may be a championship contender all of a sudden, uh, despite all kind of the detractors really hampering down on him early in the season. It seems like he's really found it. Once he broke through that first win, suddenly he's almost the Chase Elliott that everybody kind of expected him to be from the start coming into the Cup Series. Well, this could be a situation where, you know, I, I've been waiting for something bad to happen in these playoffs for the last couple of years where, you know, it's looking like it's going to be a real, you know, ding-dong fight, but then something screws it up by winning a race or there's somebody has a, t- you know, tire go down on the last lap or second. But, I mean, it looks like the fans would want the big three and Chase Elliott to battle for it at Homestead. It'll be interesting to see if that's what we end up with. I agree. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Stuart Haas Racing looks very, very strong. And in the conventional big three, there's only one driver that we kind of consider that from Stuart Haas Racing, which is Kevin Harvick. But you look at Eric Almarola, he has been strong, not just at the plate tracks, despite him having that win at Talladega. He's been up there. Uh, you know, Clint Boyer, certainly very strong. Uh, Kurt Busch, he doesn't really know what he's doing next year, at least for now. So he's another driver very, very hungry. And they have proven now, especially after that dominance we saw at Talladega, that they are uh, a very, very... All right, you're... Kind of spoil that party. All right, very good. David, we're going to take a quick break here, and we'll talk more with a YouTube's David Land in just a moment here on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by David Hobbs Honda and Great Lakes Dragway.
welcome back to the final inspection show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with David Hobbs Honda. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is David Land, YouTube uh, contributor, and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at DLand91. And uh, on uh, YouTube, you're David Land, correct? Just D, uh, David and L-A-N-D, correct, David? Yep, nine letters, very easy to remember. Oh, you're so lucky you don't have like a name like Orlowski or Zotki. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes in this case, simpler is a lot better so uh and what's the latest on your on your youtube channel well we just recently uh put up this week in racing which uh, i just actually started a couple months ago a new show where it's almost like uh i don't want to necessarily say this but it's kind of like the old speed report where i you know take topics and i kind of discuss them in a in a news commentary style um and obviously kind of the big story this weekend was uh, or this week was the fact that uh robert wickens uh, confirmed that uh, he was paralyzed uh, a very sad situation uh one that i think most of us who kind of were able to read between the lines could figure out but at the same time it doesn't make it sting any less right well and it's interesting that is there's been kind of this well, yeah, I, I, I kind of am. I'm not. I kind of and And what he's trying, basically he's trying to say is that it's still a work in progress, though. And yes. And I think the 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 one thing that's going against him right now is is the time. Because I kind of used uh, very in a way, well, everything is different, but I kind of said that his injury would be, it was, I was hoping it was a bit like the Ryan Shazier injury, the, the Pittsburgh Steeler, where he had an injury to to his spinal spinal cord. Now, they weren't saying what exactly what the injury to the spinal cord was, and uh, Ryan Shazier has been able to regain uh, after be, basically being paralyzed from the waist down, uh, feeling in his legs, and has been able to walk. Now, granted, it, it you know he's never going to play football again. But he's able to walk and and ambulate and whatnot, and he's he's got a you know things are looking certainly good for him. And the thing with Wickens is that he does have some feeling in his legs, and he's able to do you know the the legs are it's not a the classic I can't feel anything in my leg situation. So Voluntary he's holding movement. Right, and he's holding off hope that someday, you know, basically, you know, something, you know, somewhat, whether it's with bracing or whatnot, that someday he might be able to walk, but that remains to be seen. But I, I guess the big thing that's going against him, in my opinion, my very, you know, lay opinion is that, you know, the, the, the time between his, his injuries now and where he's at is, is getting kind of long in the day. Well, since the uh, since even I did the video, he's put out another statement. And and first, I really want to say that I, you know we don't deserve any of this information. Oh, exactly. It's all very personal stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing to me. I mean, it shows his incredible character that he realizes that we we genuinely are concerned. It's not like some kind of a a, a, a fascination with the injury. It's that you know this is a human being. This is a guy who endeared himself to us very quickly as racing fans because of his tenacity behind the steering wheel. He's clearly tenacious uh, in this recovery process. Um, But uh, he he did say that that he has been paralyzed since 
the moment he hit the fence at uh, Pocono in August. But uh, the the voluntary movement, the feeling in the legs, point to a more positive direction going forward. Though he did actually even give us a time frame, which was I think 24 months. So it, it's going to be okay. a long recovery process. Uh, I think most everybody is just at this point hoping that he has a great quality of life going forward. Um, you know, we're not even thinking at this moment any kind of a comeback uh, Zanardi style or whatever at this point. Um, but I, I, you know, this is another thing that I thought is that I don't think he has a better, he couldn't have a better support system with James Hinchcliffe, who was badly, badly injured uh, in 15 at Indianapolis, and then Sam Schmidt, who he himself is a paraplegic, uh, quadriplegic actually. Uh, he can't, he can't feel anything from the from the neck down. So there's uh, there's an incredible support system there for him, and it's apparent that those people that are in his life are helping him uh, move forward and, and really uh, accelerate that recovery process as best they can. You know, there's been a lot of debates in, in the sports world about whether, you know, athletes are, are athletes and that. And I've never been one of these people that, oh, you got to, they all say have to be athletes because, you know, to counter that, I always, you know, point to uh, Jimmy Spencer or, or somebody uh, like a like a seventy five year old you know driver running in the Cup Series and that and that kind of you know you can kind of squash anything like that. However, when it comes to any type of injuries, horrific injuries that we unfortunately have seen, uh, especially in my my uh, you know following auto racing and that, one thing that that does equalize them with athletes of a of a world championship caliber is how they can overcome these things. Uh, dating back to, you know, Jim Herdebees, who was horribly burned at Milwaukee in 1964, and we've seen uh, all the horrific leg injuries that a lot of IndyCar drivers have endured, and uh, even some injuries that NASCAR drivers have endured, and even somebody like uh, Eric Amarola, who had uh, a very severe injury a few years ago, you know, these are guys that a are able to, injury. yeah, these are guys that have been able to bounce back and have, it seems like, yeah, they, they can, they, you know, they are better than us in certain ways and, and being able to recover from uh, injuries is one of the, the things they can do. And so if anybody that, you know, can, can do it, it certainly would be Robert Wickens. Well, AJ Foyt is a great example. There you uh, go. That's yeah. A, that's, right. that's a local example to you guys. He, he nearly lost his legs at road America and, you know, what was it? Eight months later, he was on the front row at the Indy 500. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> and and awesome. not only that, but I mean, other injuries he's endured. He broke his back. He was actually declared dead after a crash at Riverside, 1965. Severely broke his arm in a huge accident at Michigan in 1981. Uh, even at Milwaukee, he was injured a couple times. Uh, he got burned in 1966 in a Lotus, and then later in 1970, I believe it was, had a big-time concussion and chest injury when he hit Bader and Al's car uh, at about 100 miles an hour in the front straightaway. And so, I mean, yeah, what these guys are able to overcome, it, it is quite amazing, and, and we certainly wish the best to uh, Robert Wickens and, and his ability to hopefully overcome this. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention with you, David, is when you go to your YouTube channel, you do a lot with uh, video games and whatnot, 
and you really made my day. I, I wanted to mention this to you uh, last time you were on, but I didn't get a chance to. Uh, you do some stuff with uh, Indy 500 Revolution. And yes. uh, I, I, I want to just let you, I don't know if I told you this or that, but I did have a small part in developing that game. <laughs> really? Yes. Now, now I'm fascinated. Please. Yeah. Uh, I was when I was working at the Milwaukee Mile. I was approached uh, by those those guys. They're out of Minnesota at the time. I don't know even if they're even around anymore, or if they were bought out by another company. But uh, they were working on Milwaukee, and they were helping. They needed some help. Uh, they needed photos and whatnot and some research because they were trying to make the Milwaukee Mile how it looked in the 60s. And I was talking to the guy and they were talking about, you know, the licensing issues they've been having. They were, uh, they wanted to make Phoenix and they were, ISC kind of scared them off. And uh, they were, I uh, said, well, why don't you just call it like Arizona Speedway? And they were going to do that, but then the lawyers were kind of like, I said, well, I said, you know, there's other tracks out there you can do and it's He's like, oh, yeah, like Langhorn? I said, well, there's Langhorn, but you ever hear of Hanford Speedway? He's like, what, Hanford? And so I told him about Hanford Speedway that was uh, out in the valley uh, in Southern California, out towards Fresno. Uh, told him about that, and I said, you know, Milwaukee had a road course, or actually still has a road course. And uh, he goes, really? I said, yeah, you could uh, do – because if you're, if you're going to do all the setup for Milwaukee – you know, it's not hard just putting a road course in there. So that's where the uh, Honey Creek Speedway came from. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and helping them. And they would, you know, as they were developing the game, they were sending me screen, screenshots and I would say, okay, do this, try to do this. And of course, not everything made it in. And there's a couple things I didn't really like on it. But, you know, when, when, when you have a project like that, you know, it's it's not like there's one guy working on it. You got a team of people. And then all the code building that goes into that is just absolutely incredible. So, uh, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. I, it, it, it's, it's a little hokey. It probably, if they, if they would, if, if the game would have came out probably three years later, it would have been a lot better. But, um, you know, for what it, you know, considering how old the game is, and I, I really appreciate that you're kind of giving it some justice and, uh, and explain to the viewers if they haven't seen it, what, what you do with that game. So there's a, uh, the, the kind of the main part of this game, I guess I should explain what the game is first of all. I guess we should. Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. It, so, oh, go ahead. Oh no, go ahead, Steve. You, you oh. worked on the game for God's sake. You go. <laughs> it's called IndyCar Revolution. And it, it covers uh, the Indy cars from 1961 through 1970 or 71, I think. 71. Yeah. And it, and you, you basically can pick a driver, which a lot of them are real drivers, um, and just uh, you can be that. If you want to be uh, Bobby Unzer in 1968, you can. If you want to be somebody obscure like Eddie Johnson in 1961, you can. And uh, it, it's it's pretty neat, and believe it or not, a lot of the cars uh, handle uh, differently. You know, when you're in one roadster, uh, it handles differently a Watson, and it's weird because, and you mentioned this in your in your '64 race, it seems like the better the car is, it's not necessarily faster, but it's, it's a hell of a lot harder harder to drive. It's funny is that you picked the car that. I, I actually kind of like too the Zed Hellebrand Shrike, and I actually like the Huffaker, uh, the Walt Hankskin uh, Huffaker in that race. So, but <laughs> you can kind of expand from there if you want. 
Okay, well, I, I should clarify uh, that the actual game name is Indy 500 Evolution. Oh, Evolution, so not Revolution. Evolution. See? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so it's been a while. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I, just in case anybody wants to go to eBay or Amazon or whatever and check it out, and I would suggest checking it out. But the real kind of main part of the game is the career mode, which you start in 1961. Uh, you get a I – can't, I think it's a uh, – you're given a, a chassis. I can't remember exactly. I think it's an Epperly uh, Roadster chassis. You get an Offenhauser engine. But from there, you play through each season of the national championship all the way up to 1971. Like you said, not all the tracks are there. Uh, Phoenix is the glaring omission, I think. But the fact that you can drive at Hanford, I think it's the, literally the only game, and that includes mods for uh, like NASCAR Racing 2003 that you can race at Hanford. So thank you, Steve, for letting them know that that track existed. But, um, yeah, you just build your team throughout um, kind of the, the big, I guess in a video game term, like the boss battle are the Indy 500s, which are you can run the full 500 miles, 33 cars. And, again, you get to choose your chassis and engine. I think at one point I put an Offenhauser in the back of a Lotus chassis, and a lot of the uh, old-timers got very upset with me for that one. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, and, and it gives you enough creativity to really kind of put your own personal spin on it. Uh, but at the same time, it's really neat the amount of detail in the game. The only driver I can see that they really had licensing issues with was uh, Jackie Stewart. Yep. For whatever reason, Jackie Stewart is John Stewart in the game or J- John Smith or something like that. But, I mean, there's like Elmer George, which is like Tony George's dad in the game. You, you have uh, just it, the most obscure random drivers all you know from the front to the back of the grid. And if you're at all interested in the history of IndyCar racing, and especially the, the history of the Indy 500, because it's very clear that they put the most dev time into the, the Indianapolis races, uh, it, it's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's fantastic. And then uh, it's, it is a lot of fun. And then uh, real quickly here, uh, actually I should mention we're talking to David Land, YouTube contributor on the Great Midwest Big Hotline. Uh, and then real quickly, the uh, the NASCAR game you've been reviewing, the, the is that the new NASCAR game, it looks like? Uh, yeah, NASCAR Heat 3. You're talking about the one with the dirt, right? No, I, the, the one you were doing Talladega, I saw. I saw you were doing oh, yeah. Talladega. Well, that's, that's NASCAR Heat 3, but it also contains dirt modifieds for, okay. for some reason, <laughs> which is a lot of fun. But, yeah, uh, it's the NASCAR Heat 3 is the third game in the, uh, I guess, the revitalization of the NASCAR Heat franchise. I would definitely say it's the best one, though I don't think it's quite at the level of what maybe if you played NASCAR games in the late 90s, early 2000s, mm-hmm. it's not quite there anymore. There's, it's pretty clear that they don't have the budget to really do a lot of the things that I think a lot of the fans would like them to do, especially graphics-wise. They're probably you know five to seven years behind the times in terms of graphics when you look at other uh, contemporary racing games like Project Cars or even maybe the direct comparison is F1 2018. It's just a complete uh, difference between the quality of the visuals. But it, there is some core gameplay there that's a lot of fun. And, uh, and you know, if you have a NASCAR fan, a little NASCAR fan, or you yourself are a NASCAR fan who likes gaming, uh, I think it's like 50 bucks. I mean, you, you can't go wrong, really. If, especially if you're really heavily into NASCAR. It's got a deep career mode, kind of like Indy 500 Evolution, where you build your team up, you build your cars and stuff. 
Um, yeah, it's it's a fairly interesting game. Have you tried the new F1 game yet? Oh yeah. Oh, it, that's excellent. Uh, F1 okay. 2018 is just really really great. And what's cool about the the F1 game is that it will it will soften your feelings on the Halo. If you <laughs> if you hate the Halo, you go into the cockpit mode uh, or cockpit camera and you drive the car and you realize, oh. I can see just fine. <laughs> okay. Like it's, it's, you know, it's, it's something that's very interesting and something that I kind of notice is like, oh, I don't even notice it anymore. But that's an excellent game. Does I mean, Hamilton win every race in that game as well? Virtually. It's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's accurate down to a T, though. When you beat Hamilton, you really have a sense of accomplishment because you're like, man, I out-strategized them or I out-raced them. That's, that's a little tougher to do. So you're telling us on the air in front of millions and billions of people that you've sprayed yourself with champagne after you beat Hamilton in the F1 video game? I can't confirm or deny those reports. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to plead the fifth on this one. Nice. Nice. All right, David. Uh, one more thing before we go. We need your prediction and – We'll let the listeners know we have not warned him on this. He's doing this on the fly. What is who's your prediction for the winner for tomorrow's um, race at Martinsville? Oh, that is a tough one. That is a really tough one. You know what? I I feel like Brad Pulowski now has nothing to lose. I feel like I feel I'm feeling Brad. Okay. I'm feeling Brad. That's what I'm that's what I'm gonna go with. That's a good pick. Yeah. Yeah, good choice. Yeah. All right, very good. David, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show and look forward to chatting with you before the end of the year. Absolutely. Love to come on. All right, thank you. That's David Land. You can follow him on uh, Twitter at DLand91 and also on uh, YouTube, uh, excellent YouTube channel at David Land, L-A-N-D. Make sure you look him up and subscribe to his channel. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk more racing on the final inspection show after this break and a sports flash. Milwaukee. Start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, it's Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. And let's get caught up in the uh, latest in the world of racing news with Lori Monroe of Race Talk Radio. This is One Lap Down with Lori Monroe for the week of October the 22nd. Here's what's making news right now. The federal criminal trial of the former girlfriend of Kurt Busch and former head of the Armed Forces Foundation, Patricia Driscoll, is underway this week as prosecutors begin their case with their first witness explaining how Driscoll defrauded the military support charity she ran for personal gain. Driscoll is facing a seven-count federal indictment, alleging two counts of wire fraud, two counts of mail fraud, one count of tax evasion in 2012, one count of tax evasion for 2013, and one count of first-degree fraud. Over the next several weeks, federal prosecutors intend to show Driscoll was a manipulative bully who lied to donors, the IRS, the charity's board of directors, and used more than $500,000 to pay her personal expenses by jewelry, alcohol, personal items, and business expenses. Driscoll also used Kurt Busch's status and connections to NASCAR to solicit money and donations for the Armed Forces Foundation. 
Charlotte Motor Speedway has a new executive vice president and general manager. Greg Walter, a 19-year veteran of SMI, has been promoted to the position. And ISM Raceway has a new president in Julie Geis. She was formerly the track's managing director of business operations for International Speedway Corp. and joined ISC in 2001. Good luck to them both. Texas Motor Speedway isn't fooling around when it comes to weather. They've become the first motorsports venue in the country to install a WeatherStem weather station. The purpose of this is to be able to provide the most accurate and up-to-the-minute weather data on any approaching inclement weather so fans and race participants can be informed and on the ready. All this just in time for next week's AAA Texas 500, as well as online updates and even text or email updates. NASCAR and eBay are having a joint charity auction offering up the opportunity to bid on autograph memorabilia and once-in-a-lifetime racing experiences. 100% of the proceeds of each item will benefit the NASCAR Foundation's programs for children like Speediatrics and the Betty Jane France Humanitarian Award. Items in the auction include VIP experiences at the 2019 Daytona 500, 2018 Homestead Miami race, and the 2018 NASCAR Champions Week package in Las Vegas. Memorabilia include autographed driver helmets and fire suits and sheet metal. Head over to ebay.com slash NASCAR to view and bid. Innovators versus NASCAR this week. Kansas saw a couple of issues, like the post-race lug nut infraction of Kyle Larson's number 42 cup car. Crew chief Chad Johnston has been fined $10,000. The Xfinity Series also had a car with a lug nut infraction, the number two of Matt Tift. Crew Chief Randall Burnett has been fined $5,000. And the number 21 of Daniel Hemrick received an L1 penalty for a post-qualifying height issue. Crew Chief Danny Stockman has been fined $10,000 and suspended for the next two Xfinity races. The team has also been given a 10-point penalty for the driver and a 10-point owner's points penalty. And KNN West News, the final race of the season takes place on Saturday night at Kern County Raceway Park in California. Derek Thorne is on tap to win the championship by finishing 21st or better. Thorne has two victories this season, coming off a four-year sabbatical from full-time competition. Cole Rouse and Ryan Partridge are almost in a dead heat for second place in the championship, with only three points separating them going into this weekend. In ARCA News, last weekend's Kansas 150 at Kansas Speedway was won by Sheldon Creed, who also won the championship just by literally starting the race. That's how you get it done. In the championship point standing, Zane Smith was second and Riley Herbst was third. The series awards banquet will be held in Indianapolis, Indiana on December the 8th. This weekend's race schedule, the Xfinity cars are off this week, but it's a Martinsville doubleheader for the Truck and the Cup Series. The Camping World Truck Series race, Texas Roadhouse 200, will take place on Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, televised live on FS1. And Sunday's Cup race will be number 7 of 10 in the playoffs. And the first Data 500 will be televised live at 2.30 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. And on the weather front this weekend, early Saturday morning we'll see a 30% chance of rain with partly cloudy skies in the afternoon. And the temperature will cap off at 60 degrees. Sunday will start off with some morning showers followed by partly cloudy skies in the afternoon and a high of 63 degrees with light and variable winds. And birthdays this week. Happy birthday goes out to Humpy Wheeler, Dave Blaney, 
Jim France, Brian Vickers, Ward Burton, John Wood, Ryan Priest, and Tommy Baldwin Jr. And if it's your birthday this week, I hope it's a great one. In social media madness, Martinsville Speedway tweeted out asking if anybody out there looks like Kyle Larson. Just go on and go visit First Data's Facebook page for their look-alike giveaway. So Ryan Truex retweeted it saying, I got this in the bag. And then Ryan Ellis from Go Fast Racing also retweeted it saying, I found my calling. Personally, my money's on Ryan Ellis. Just a dead ringer. And the best video on the internet, in my opinion anyway, is from Jeffrey Earnhardt on Instagram. Nighttime by a fire with his dog. He says, how I love spending them cool fall afternoons. Bama dog chillin', jammin' to at Riley Duckman on the hashtag Jake's Golf Cart and sippin' on a cool at Bush Beer Light. He knows how to have a good time. That's one lap down with Laurie Monroe for this week. Enjoy the races, everyone. Whatever racing you enjoy the most. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. Make sure you check out David Hobbs Honda for the latest in new and used car inventory. And uh, talking uh, real quick with Jeff here before we bring Eddie Lapine on from RacingNation.com at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series Playoffs Grid. And uh, going into Martinsville, we have, uh, of course, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr., Chase Elliott, Clint Boyer, the punk Joey Logano, Kurt Busch, and Eric Amarola. It's Eric with an A. And we have uh, Martinsville, Texas. And, of course, Homestead. No. Phoenix. Phoenix. And then the finale for Homestead. Homestead. Yeah. And... I was talking with David Land uh, in the previous segment, and I said it looks like conventional wisdom, and I think the fans at this point would like to see Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex, along with Chase Elliott because, uh, of course, it's been pretty much the big three all year long with Kyle Busch, have Harvick, and Truex, and then with Chase Elliott kind of coming on strong at the end, it's a good story. You got, you know, obviously – Kyle Busch is 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 one of your superstars, as is Kevin Harvick. You got Kyle Busch who likes to play the bad boy. Uh, Kevin Harvick is your grizzled veteran. You're kind of a throwback. If you're going to have a throwback driver, I guess, Kevin Harvick is kind of a throwback driver. Yeah, Martin Truex, who's kind of like the, I guess you could call him like the Scott Dixon, I guess, of the of the NASCAR, you know, not, not a, you know, boisterous personality, but just a consummate professional, uh, good driver. And then you have the caveat with their team shutting down at the end of the year. And then you have Chase Elliott, of course, second generation driver, son of Bill Elliott. Good story. Uh, back in the iconic number nine, uh, Hendrick Motorsports. You got, um, 
you know, everything, you know, you want there. Mm -hmm. And then on the outside, you could, you could say you have uh, Boyer, who's also with the strong Stuart Haas racing team, uh, Joey Logano, Team Penske, who I've said will never win a, uh, will never win a championship because he effed with uh, Matt Kenseth. Uh, yeah, Kurt Busch, uh, Stuart Haas Racing last year, though, in the 41. It'll be, in, you know, Kesara Sara with there. And then you have Eric Amarola, who's kind of the other feel good story of the second half of the year. The 10 car, which for some reason, I don't know why, I just couldn't win until this year. Um, <laughs> and Stuart Haas Racing really hitting their stride, especially this year. Uh, so you have half of the field uh, is Stuart, ha Stuart Haas Racing, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. You know, you got four of the eight. Three of them are uh, below the cutoff line, though. Uh, if you look in, obviously, you know, I think it's safe to say that Bush and Harvick are both going to advance. Truex, he's been struggling mightily uh, for a while now. So I, it's hard to just to write in pen the name Martin Truex into Homestead, where Chase Elliott, you know, he's been on fire lately, and uh, he's got everything, momentum, everything's going his way. So for me, if I and, had, if I had to write three of well, the four, and look what in, happened last year. You know, he could have won that race, this race last year. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, if that momentum carries on to this week at at you know, tomorrow. Oh, I know, and. If you look at the average finishes for all four guys below the cut line as of now, Boyer, Logano, Kurt Busch, and Amarola, the only track that any of those four drivers averages in the even in the top ten is fart face Joey Logano at Texas, where he mm -hmm. averages four point two. Besides that, you know, Amarola you know, granted, he wasn't in the best equipment. Right. 21, 22, and 13 and a half. You know, those are not good uh, good numbers. Kurt Busch, he averages a 21st place finish at Martinsville, 11 at Texas, 13 and a half at Phoenix. Clint, 12, 24, and 17. He has horrible numbers on these tracks. So it looks, you know, if you're trying to decide a driver that, right now that starts this round of the playoffs below the cut line that could sneak into Homestead and race for the championship, it looks like it would be Joey Logano. He's got the best average finishing numbers on these tracks of all well, the and guys I think he'd be very line. strong at Texas also. Oh, absolutely. 4.2 at Texas. He's, he averages 13 and change at Martinsville, which is decent. And 16 at Phoenix. Here's here's a scary thing, though, with Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick. Assuming they do get to uh, Homestead, and it looks like they will. And it, we saw this a little bit last week in Kansas. Kansas. It, it seems like if they wanted to, they could go a little faster. Yeah. Chase Elliott was going as fast as he could. He was fifth gear, sixth gear, whatever you want to call it. He was, you know, pedal to the metal. But it seemed like Harvick, if, if they really wanted to, but they were in position to advance, so you don't want to you know, screw up too much. They, they, they could have if they wanted to. And the thing is, those two are so strong in Homestead that there's, you know, the, the scuttlebutt is there were, you know, the field is really worried about those two in, in Homestead. 
Doomsday. Absolutely. I mean, you, yeah, you want to get into the Final Four because it's a chance, and mm-hmm. that's all you want. Whether you, when you're competing, whatever sport it is, you want that chance. You want to be able to at least get into the playoffs or do whatever. You know, I don't care if it's basketball, football, but blah blah blah, racing. Give me a chance. Let me get into the field. Let me see where where we where we finish. But those two are going to be awfully, awfully strong at Homestead, aren't they? Well, in the top four, you know, Truex, he's dominated uh, on the 1.5 uh, mile mile tracks. So you put Truex, you know, if he makes it, he's going to be uh, tough to beat. We just saw what Chase did at Kansas. Like you said, he was running a hell of a lot harder to be as fast as he was than Bush and Harvick were. Uh, but if you finish with those four drivers in the top four, that is going to be a whale of a race at Miami. And then you throw in Larson, who always runs good there as well. Exactly. Granted, he's been eliminated from the playoffs already, but you know he still wants to. He needs to have some kind of silver lining for his awful season. Well, and and this is where this format could 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 get nascar in a little bit of trouble is if something happens at martinsville tomorrow where let's say kurt bush wins Mm -hmm. we go to texas and logano wins so now we go to phoenix phoenix is can be a bit of a crapshoot imagine if boyer won there. there and that could very well happen and then all of a sudden yeah. You've got one of the big three that would make it, and two of them would be on the outside looking in. That would be would, a, well, such a nightmare scenario for NASCAR. Right. What if, what does you know NASCAR do? They'll Is penalize it, one of them. <laughs> L1 you know, infraction. And it hasn't happened, but, I mean, will they, uh, one of these years they're going to get a reluctant champion. Mm-hmm. And one where the fans go, wow. This is because especially you don't want a situation where, you know, I mean, you look at the times when Petty won and, and, and and I've been in one of these guys where Dale Earnhardt, you know, he won seven championships, but I've always said, well, if Alan Kowicki and Davey Allison don't get killed, I wonder if he wins seven. Right. Especially, and throw in Ernie Irvin getting hurt. Yeah, Ernie Irvin was... That Robert Yates car was so strong. I always felt that car would have won a championship, whether it be 93, 94, or 95. Yeah. And then, and you know, so, um, you know, what happens if... What happens, what happens to the sport if somebody, let's say, Kurt Busch wins? Well, it, you know, the last reluctant champion I think NASCAR had was probably Brad Keselowski. They grew to love him because of his outspokenness, how he was able to relate to the fans, how the fans responded to Brad. But I think when he won his championship, NASCAR wasn't completely over the moon about it, especially when he's sitting at the post-race studio drinking beer out of a boot. That was the best thing, though. It was awesome. It was. It was awesome. And, you know, that was part of him connecting with Mm -hmm. the average NASCAR fan. And And pleasing a sponsor. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) It was, that was so awesome. I'll never forget when he won. He was so over the moon. You know, it was just, it was 100% authentic Keselowski. He was happy. 
you know, uh, you could tell all his dreams came true. It was, I was happy watching him be happy. So, and that doesn't happen often. All those seven championships that Jimmy Johnson won, besides like the first one or two, then it was like, okay, you know, next, can next year start now? You know, I, I wasn't thrilled, you know, you didn't get that feeling. The, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up because you're so happy for this kid and you see the pure joy that you got when, when Brad K won. Or at least that I did. Maybe I'm just weird. In a roundabout way, though, I was kind of happy because I know it pissed off all the guys that still fly the Confederate flags in the infield at Tilladega. <laughs> what, when Keselowski won? No, when Jimmy oh, Johnson when Jimmy wins. Johnson, yeah. Yeah. Okay, boys. Here's your uh, here's your Sorokin Southern button-down kid from Southern California winning another NASCAR championship. Yep. yep. Oh, so. yeah. That's just me. Hey, I'm with you. So uh, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we'll talk from RacingNation.com, Edward L. Lapine Third on the Final Inspection Show. to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline it is from RacingNation.com Eddie Lapine welcome to the show Eddie hey guys hi how you doing today fantastic just like the NBA well, I'm better than the I NBA was... the NBA is boring okay. I thought I was going to be up there for the Brewers this weekend I had my airline ticket all, all booked and everything and ready to go what happened? Uh, uh, I'm not, it's that, you know what? Seriously though, that seems so long ago already. Yeah. That's it true. seems that's like a, a lifetime. Point. It's hard to yeah, get excited definitely. about the world series this year though. I haven't after seen how it close any. The, the brewers came. I've watched a ton of it, but it's, it's so slow and boring. Hey, what's longer a Dover cup race or game three in the world series. God, I'll tell you, you know what? I, I wouldn't know. It'd be like flip the. I think I'd go with Dover because it might rain, you know. Then <laughs> then you could listen to you know the crew talking about how it was forty years ago. That Kansas race felt longer than the seven hour twenty minute game last night. All right, let's see here. It was last night seven hours and twenty minutes, longest World Series um, game by time of game, and again it's not even close. It beat the other one. The previous game, yeah, that's the one that, yeah, the White Sox and Astros won five hours and 41 minutes in 2005. Well, I think it'd be more exciting to uh, watch the grass grow. Well, it actually was actually a pretty good game last night from what I've heard, and that's what uh, Jeff over here says. Uh, game three was the 12th World Series game to go 12 innings and the fourth World Series game to go 14 innings. It is the only World Series game to go 18 innings. Yeah, I think it's the only one to go past 15. So uh, that was a uh, a marathon. They played a doubleheader in one day, seven hours, 20 minutes. If you watched every pitch of that, I commend you. I fell asleep twice, woke up twice, and it was still on. I did catch the ending uh, because I sleep like crap nowadays, but uh, I was glad I did. It was, in you know, 
what I saw well, when I, I was awake was semi-entertaining. Well, I guess if you you know paid eight hundred dollars for a ticket to the game, at least you got two for the price of one. Hey, and guess what? Uh, last week's Formula One predictions, everybody was wrong. Yeah, thankfully, thankfully everybody was wrong. With of course Kimi Räikkönen, uh, Ferrari driver, winning the United States Grand Prix at the Circuit of the Americas track. Uh, a nice surprise, Eddie, wasn't it? And actually, it probably was one of the better races of the year. I'll tell you, I think it was one of the best races in a long time. I mean, just, I mean, maybe not to the, you know, the average person that's watching, but mm -hmm. the pit strategy that went in and, you know, how long Kimmy went with his tires. And don't forget about Max Verstappen uh, finishing second. Yep. It was really a heck of a race, and I got to say that you know Austin has really done an amazing job uh, with that race. I think that was probably the biggest crowd I've ever seen there, and uh, it was it was really a, a great uh, event. Can't complain, and uh, I tell you, this is kind of a neat a, a neat situation because we have the Mexican Grand Prix the following week uh, in Mexico City. Well, exactly, Steve, and, and and that's going on right now. They're going to Q3 right now, and the whole thing was is when they put the Mexican Grand Prix in, it affected Austin's attendance, and this year it bounced back, and it was a huge event last week. It's huge for America and huge for Texas and Austin to have that event there. And uh, the race is at the uh, Autodromo Hermanos Rodriguez, and that, of course, is named after the racing brothers Ricardo and Pedro Rodriguez. And I just thought I just wanted to kind of mention them a little bit uh, on the show today because, sadly, they've been gone for a long time, and uh, a lot of people aren't aware of what they were able to do. And I tell you, there was probably, you know, they they had the – they could have been probably one of the most talented racing brothers to have raced uh um such a, such a short career unfortunately and as was the case back in the 50s and 60s it was a hell of a dangerous sport wasn't it uh, eddie well definitely i mean uh, ricardo was killed in 62 and then uh pedro was killed in 1971 in germany yeah i mean they were i mean to this day uh the mexican community and this track has just really embraced racing, just like they are with Sergio Perez racing in Formula One. Mm -hmm. uh, they the, the the track is wonderful. It, the I, I like this track. It is a really and how yeah. they how they go in that stadium area. That I think it's a really really unique racy uh, track. And um, getting back to the Rodriguez brothers, um, it's it, it's. It's it's you know it's inter it's kind of interesting, but it makes sense how they were able to advance so quick in auto racing, and especially in, in Europe. One of the reasons why drivers were able to advance so quickly is well the guys in front of them were getting killed, and that's wow. that that's what happened to the especially with, with Ricardo. I mean Ferrari was losing so many drivers. Uh, if you ever read the uh, the Phil, any of Phil, Phil's, Phil's Hill, Phil Hill's autobiography or any of the books on Phil Hill, 
you know, how he was able to go through the ranks was just because the guys in front of him were getting killed and he kept on getting moved up. And that's, and Ricardo Rodriguez was right behind him. And because of a, of a scheduling issue and that, uh, he was able to step into another car in a, in a non-championship race, uh, Formula One race in Mexico in 1962, and unfortunately was killed in a Lotus. But um, it's, uh, you know, these he was at the time, the and I think he still might be the youngest podium finisher at Le Mans, and he was at uh, one of his first Grand Prix was the 61, the infamous Italian Grand Prix for Ferrari in 1961. He was on the front row, a uh, record that stood until uh, uh, Verstappen. Well, exactly, and he was the youngest Ferrari driver mm-hmm. also uh, in the rankings, and I think until maybe, I, I'm not sure, on Charles Leclerc next year. No, I think uh, Mr. Rodriguez will still be the youngest, and like I said, the, 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 the atmosphere in Mexico with embracing still the history that those brothers' names are still really... Yep brought up with everyone in racing and and, and well and, and you're real um in tune with the uh you know endurance racers of yesteryear and at the the brian redmonds and hurley haywoods and of course our friend david hobbs but you know you talk to one race that still comes up all the time is the thousand kilometers uh the boac 1000 kilometer race at brown's hotch in which uh uh, Pedro Rodriguez was, was running the uh, golf Porsche 917 in which he lost a lap and in the rain, it rained the entire race and he was actually able to make up that lap, not by a lucky dog or anything like that, but on the track and actually ended up winning the race. So uh, to this day, you talk to the drivers, not fans, but you talk to drivers, and a lot of them, and uh, Mr. Hobbs included, will say it's one of the greatest drives they ever saw. Well, exactly. And like you were saying before about, you know, the way drivers advanced back in those eras, I mean, it was unfortunately because of accidents. And, you know, now you don't see that as... No, thankfully like, we don't see that as, you know... Safety, right. yeah, definitely, the strides that they've made. But... Uh, Q3 is just starting, and Verstappen has been the fastest in Q2. So I think we'll see Red Bull up there this with uh, qualifying today. Yeah, it, yeah. Let's. Uh, I tell you what. Let's. We're talking with Eddie Lapine on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline from RacingNation.com. Let's take a quick break here, and uh, we'll talk a little more Mexican Grand Prix, and uh, we'll talk uh, predictions too. When we return to the final inspection show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. And welcome back to the final inspection show, brought to you by the legendary, the one and only Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure to check out Great Lakes Dragway on YouTube also. Saw some really cool stuff on uh, YouTube, Jeff. Uh, some from the mid-70s, some cool pro stock and funny car stuff. And even Gene, I think it was Gene Snow going up against a jet dragster in one of the matches. Nice. Neat stuff. 
And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, of course, it is Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. What's the latest going on in Racing Nation, Eddie? Well, we just finished up with Petit Le Mans a couple weeks ago with uh, IMSA, the WeatherTech Series, ending their last race of the year. And tire testing is starting, and the Michelin uh, tires are getting tested for next year for the Daytona 2019 uh, 24-hour race. And in a few weeks, it'll be the roar before the 24, isn't it? I think uh, they took a break. One day, they took off <laughs> Sunday, and they started testing on Monday. Very <laughs> so, good. And, uh, of course, uh, F1 is in uh, Mexico uh, for the Mexican Grand Prix, and uh, qualifying is finishing up now uh, for that in Q3. But let's go to predictions here. Uh, let's start in the Cup Series, which is at Martinsville, on the paperclip. Uh, quickly, Eddie, what do we got? Uh Kevin Harvick. Harvick. I'm going to go with Chase Elliott and uh, Jeff. I'm going to take uh, Fartface, Joey Logano. <laughs> okay, and then F1. What, what do you got, Eddie? I'm going with Max Verstappen. Oh, that was my pick, too. Yes, I'm going to go with Mad Max. Max Verstappen in the, in the Red Bull car. What do you got? Well, Mexican Grand Prix. Uh, give me Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc in the Sauber. Leclerc. All right, the resurgence of Sauber is happening in Formula One, of course. All right, very good, Eddie. We certainly appreciate you coming on the show and uh, looking forward to chatting with you next week, sir. Thank you so much. You guys have a great weekend. You too, Eddie. Enjoy, enjoy the sun in Florida. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.